and welcome to this week's edition of the Worcester Talking Newspaper, recorded at Colin Chance House on Thursday the 27th of September. I'm Jenny Tansin, with me reading the news are... Sue Perry, Hannah Green, Kate Hudman. Nigel Green is our engineer, Carol Hartle is working on the administration, and this week's copying team are Bernard and Doreen Potter and Janet Bailey. Thanks to Worcester News for all our information. The headlines this week um, have been mostly about the tragic missing of the student Tom. Friday, river search for missing uni student. Tom's final calls before going missing. CCTV appeal in search for Tom. Murder arrest in the search for Tom. Parents plea for help to find Tom. And... My Little Miracle was today's headlines. I'll read the deaths. Ken Goodhead passed away on September the 12th at Worcester Royal Hospital. The service to celebrate his life will take place at Worcester Crematorium on October the 9th at 10 a.m. Ronald Hall, known as Ron, passed away peacefully in hospital on September the 6th, aged 77. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on September the 28th at 12.15. Diana Hopkin Morgan passed away peacefully on September the 5th, aged 90. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on October the 5th at 2.30. Lucy Jauncey, known as Betty, passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal on September the 11th, aged 81. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on September the 27th at 10.45. Hazel Shaw, Nay Green, Nay George passed away peacefully on September the 4th, aged 85. The funeral service on September is on September the 28th at Worcester Crematorium at 11.30. Mary Summers, a retired teacher at the Alice Otley School, passed away peacefully on September the 12th, aged 79. The funeral service is at Tiberton Church on September the 28th at 11 o'clock. Alfred Henry Rodenhurst, known as Henry, passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on September the 7th, age 76. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on September the 24th at 3.15. Margaret Evans passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on September the 9th, age 72. The burial service will take place at Westall Park, Woodland Burial Cemetery on October the 1st at 1pm. Michael Hines, known as Mike, formerly of Riverview Close in Worcester, passed away on September the 14th, age 79. The funeral service is at Hallow Church on October the 1st at 2pm, followed by the interment. Herbert James, known as Docker or Herbie Collins, passed away peacefully on September the 9th, aged 90, the funeral service is at Chelsea Walsh Church on October the 2nd at 2pm. Stan Edwards of Pershaw died on the 16th of September, age 74. The funeral is at Pershaw Cemetery Chapel on October the 2nd at 11am. Philip Alfred Bayliss of Ombersley passed away peacefully on September the 11th, age 70. The funeral service is at St Andrew's Church in Ombersley, on October the 3rd at 12 noon. Jeff Wise, formerly landlord of the um, Saracen's House, uh, sorry, Saracen's Head, 
passed away peacefully on September the 17th, aged 82. The funeral service is at St. Barnabas Church on October the 4th at 12.30, followed by the interment at Astwood Cemetery. Our thoughts and uh, prayers go with the family on those. Um, the verse for today is Matthew 7, verses 28 to 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. I'll pass you on to Sue for the first headline. And this headline is from Friday, September the 21st. Um, River search for missing uni student. Police, divers and the family of a missing teenager were desperately searching the River Severn after the 18-year-old disappeared during his first week at university. Thomas Jones has not been seen or heard from since 3am on Wednesday morning. He only arrived in the city last Sunday to enrol at the University of Worcester but was last seen close to the river near Worcester Racecourse after leaving Worcester City Centre. His mum and dad say it is totally out of character for their son to go missing and yesterday made an emotional appeal for people to join them in the search. Vicky and Ian Jones from Bromsgrove were with family searching near to Sabrina Bridge. They believe that the former South Bromsgrove High School pupil would have walked across the footbridge on his way back to the St John's area. They have urged anyone who saw him between 3.30am and 4.30am on Wednesday to contact the police. There was a large police presence in the city throughout yesterday with specialists searching both sides of the river, Worcester Racecourse and the River Bank. The teenager, who is white, five foot five, slim, with short mousy brown hair and grey and green coloured eyes, was wearing pale coloured jeans, a navy blue woollen zip-up Lacoste top and green shoes when he went missing. Detective Inspector Tony Garner said, Thomas hasn't been seen or heard from since the early hours of Wednesday morning and given that he was last seen close to the river, we are growing increasingly concerned for his welfare. This is extremely out of character for Thomas and he is new to the area, having only moved to Worcester on Sunday to commence university. This week is Freshers' Week, with new students arriving and the University of Worcester um, getting ready for the academic year ahead. A University of Worcester spokesman said, We are deeply concerned for the whereabouts of one of our students and would urge the public and fellow students to contact police if they have any information. The university's security staff have been assisting the police in their search. We are in contact with the family and offering support to fellow students. The university takes the safety of all students very seriously and along with the students' union works closely with bars, nightclubs and taxi firms in the city to help our students to have an enjoyable and safe start to the new academic year. Appeals have been widely shared across social media to help find the teenager. Anyone who has seen him or who has any information is asked to call 101 Quoting 431S. And on Saturday, September the 22nd, um, the story continues and the headline was Tom's Final Cause Before Going Missing. 
Missing student Tom Jones sounded fine as he spoke to his mum and a friend on the phone just before he disappeared, his aunt says. Jackie Rogers told the Worcester News that Tom spoke to his mum at 3.30am and a friend at 3.45am on Wednesday and also sent a Snapchat while near the railings just before Sabrina Bridge. She said 18-year-old Tom was fine on the phone but didn't know where he made the phone call from. Police want to speak to anyone who crossed Sabrina Bridge between 3.30 and 4am. Tom from Bromsgrove was last seen in Worcester City Centre at around 3am on Wednesday. This is Tuesday night. So he moved to the city last weekend to study at the University of Worcester and it is believed that he was walking to his new home in St John's when he vanished. Divers and police were yesterday searching the river near Sabrina Bridge while Tom's family and friends handed out posters in the city in the hope of jogging the memory of anyone who may have seen him. Specialist divers from South Wales Search and Rescue were searching a section of the river close to the Grandstand Road. Police have also been looking at CCTV footage recorded by a camera on the Worcester News building in Hilton Road. Tom's aunt Jackie was at the Riverside Centre in Hilton Road yesterday afternoon to help hand out the posters. The university have kindly given us this facility. They have been brilliant. Security and admin have been really good, she said. People are out searching areas where he was supposed to be. We have no confirmation that he crossed the bridge, though. This would be the most valuable piece of evidence. She added, he's of slim build, had a black jacket on, blonde hair. He stands out because he's a littleish lad, but big in personality. To go missing is totally out of character for him. He had been drinking, but not a lot. He hadn't been out all night because he didn't go out until late. Tom had been with his dad, Ian, watching football on Wednesday, his aunt said. He arrived home at around 11.45pm before getting changed and going out with friends. Detective Inspector Tony Garner said, I urge anyone who may have crossed the Sabrina Bridge between 3.30 and 4am to please come forward and get in contact with us. Even if you don't think you can help or have any relevant information, we're still keen to hear from you as you may be able to assist with our investigation. Call West Mercia Police on 101 quoting incident 431S of September 19. A Facebook group titled Find Jonah has been set up by Tom's friends to coordinate their efforts to help the search by handing out posters and sharing social media posts. Police have asked the public not to search for Tom around the riverside as they will get in the way of specialist officers. A member of the public was injured on Thursday evening whilst participating in the search around the river. And the headline on Monday, September the 24th, CCTV appeal in search for Tom. Police have now identified two men they wanted to speak to in relation to missing teenager Tom Jones, who has not been seen since the early hours of Wednesday morning. 
Officers had released CCTV images of two people they wanted to speak to in connection with the investigation. But yesterday afternoon, police confirmed that the two men had been identified and thanked everyone who shared the appeal. Inquiries are still ongoing. Detective Inspector Mark Bellamy from West Mercia Police said, Firstly, I want to thank everyone who has come forward with information and possible sightings of Tom. The level of support that we have received from the local community is overwhelming. Our detectives are working around the clock to try and determine what happened in the early hours of Wednesday morning and have spent hours studying CCTV footage. As soon as we... As such, we have been pursuing a number of lines of inquiry and we are now currently treating this as a criminal investigation. We believe that he crossed the Sabrina footbridge and then walked onto the footpath that runs along the top of the flood defences on Hilton Road, out of the town in the direction of Hallow, just before 3.50am. I would also appeal again to any members of the public who may have seen Tom in that area or out towards Hilton Road. Tom's family is being supported by specially trained officers. I would like to thank them as well as his friends and hundreds of volunteers who have been supporting the investigation. It's a fairly unprecedented response. We now kindly ask that the public stay away from the search area so that our highly skilled search divers and officers can work without distraction and continue to conduct a full and thorough search. Tom's cousin, Louise Heffernan, coordinated a mass search in all roads from Sabrina Bridge up to Hallow with other family members yesterday. Miss Heffernan said, We have got as many members of the public with us to do door-to-door checks, garden checks and get as many house CCTV and residential checks to help us with the private and city CCTV we have already. Mr Jones was wearing a blue Lacoste jacket dark blue jeans and blue Adidas Gazelle trainers. Anyone with information is asked to call West Mercia Police on 101, quoting incident number 431S of 19th September. And the headline for Tuesday, September the 25th, murder arrests in the search for Tom. Two men have been arrested on suspicion of murder following the disappearance of University of Worcester student Thomas Jones. The 18-year-old has not been heard from since the early hours of last Wednesday. The Bromsgrove teenager had arrived in the city only days before going missing to start his degree in primary initial teaching education at the University of Worcester. Yesterday morning, fire engines, police sniffer dogs and boats arrived near Sabrina Bridge as the search continued. A Emergency services could be seen to be cutting back debris at the side of the river bank as specially trained officers searched for clues. Police asked the public to stay away from the search area around the Sabrina Bridge and Hilton Road so that their search divers and officers could continue to conduct a full and thorough search. The arrest of a second man on suspicion of murder late on Sunday night was announced yesterday morning. On Sunday evening, police revealed a first man had been arrested on suspicion of murder. The men, both aged 20 and from Worcester, are in police custody. On Monday afternoon, Superintendent Damien Petit from West Mercia Police made a further plea for information beside the 7 in Hilton Road. He said, 
We've made two arrests of individuals who are of significance to our investigation and may yield some information around the whereabouts of Thomas. I would appeal to further individuals in the community or groups who may know Thomas, who may have a piece of information they would think is not relevant, actually may be really relevant, and particularly focus their attention on three hours, sorry, 3 a.m. hours on Wednesday morning through to 4 hours. And information that they have is gratefully received, any information you have, they have is gratefully received and may be really helpful to the investigators. He added that officers had searched Thomas's halls of residence, which he said is standard practice, during missing persons' investigation. Ross Renton, the University of Worcester's pro-vice-chancellor, released statements calling the teenager's disappearance truly heartbreaking and, the, and describing the city as one of the safest in the UK. Our whole university community is deeply shocked by Thomas's disappearance and this latest development, Mr Rental said. Our thoughts are with Thomas's parents, wider family and many friends at this tragic time. We will continue to do all we can to support students and staff affected by this devastating news and to work with the family in any positive way we can. This terrible incident is truly heartbreaking. And this is another article about Tom um, from yesterday, Wednesday, the 26th of September. The parents of missing student Tom Jones have made a fresh appeal for help to find their son. Ian and Vicky Jones believe someone may hold a tiny piece of information that could help them find their son, but they may not realise it. It is now a week since Tom disappeared on his way home from a night out in the city centre. 18-year-old Tom had just started a primary initial teacher education course at the University of Worcester, only arriving in the city three days before he went missing. His mum said he was loving his newfound freedom and described the teenager as very sociable. The couple have been left completely mystified as to why he failed to return home from his night out and are desperately worried that he had not been in contact with them since that day, describing that as very out of character. Mrs Jones said, it's a week and we've had no contact at all. The couple have worked with police to painstakingly piece together his movements in the early hours of Wednesday, September the 19th. They now believe he was at Velvet Nightclub before going to McDonald's at around 3am. He then walked in the direction of his St John's home, doubling back to buy a drink, and sent a Snapchat to friends from near Worcester Racecourse. Police say he crossed the Sabrina Bridge before walking along the path at the top of the Hilton Road. Flood defence is in the direction of Hallow. Mr and Mrs Jones also say he sent a message to his flatmates just before 3.50am to say he was two minutes away and that is the last they know of his whereabouts. They are appealing for anyone who may have seen Tom, perhaps between 3.30am and 4.30am, to come forward. They are also checking students and asking them if they could find any selfies they took on the night out to see if Tom is in the background, and appealing to anyone with CCTV at their homes or businesses to look at it again. They want to hear from any drivers who may have been around Hilton Road that evening. Mrs Jones said anything, however small, might be the piece of the jigsaw that helps us. Someone might just have that little snippet of information. Please check any selfies that you may have taken. 
All the kids do that these days, don't they? Is Tom in the background? Mr Jones said, we want to hear from anyone around the Sabrina Bridge. Cars going past, a bus, he might have been talking to someone, whatever. He added, we are looking for that hour between 3.30 and 4.30am. He last called some friends at 3.48 and said he was two minutes away, although that could have been a figure of speech. After that, we have a gap. We are going to go and see a few houses along Hilton Road and Hallow Road to see if anyone has any information at all. There are lots of long gardens there. We're asking people to check in them. Mr and Mrs Jones said they couldn't understand why more students who may have been walking along the Hilton Road in the early hours of the morning haven't yet come forward. Mrs Jones said, we haven't heard from anyone out that night. On Sunday, police arrested two men on suspicion of Tom's murder, but both have now been released without charge, and police say they no longer consider them suspects. Mr Jones said, since that, we're back to square one. We've identified the two lads. The police are happy with what they've said. Both stories match up. He added, it's the unknown. Has anybody done him any harm? Has he been abducted? There's always somebody who knows something, but subconsciously they don't think it's relevant. That's the thing. We don't want to do anything at all. We want, sorry, we want to do anything at all that might jog people's memories between those hours last Wednesday morning. Anyone who has information, however small, is urged to call the police on 101. And today's headline was My Little Miracle. A woman who was told it was impossible for her to have children discovered she was pregnant just 13 weeks before her due date. Claire Halewood and husband Jess adopted three children, two girls now aged 11 and 9 and a boy now 5. After being told by medics, Mrs Halewood would be unable to conceive 20 years ago. However, she gave birth to baby boy Kit, weighing six pounds after learning she was pregnant at at 27 weeks. He was born by emergency caesarean at 37 weeks after Mrs Halewood developed preeclampsia, a condition which happens when the placenta does not function correctly. The couple now want to thank Worcestershire Royal Hospital for helping bring their special surprise baby into the world safely. Mrs Halewood, aged 39, of Barbourne, said she had initially put weight gain down to an underactive thyroid, a hereditary condition both her sister and grandmother had previously been diagnosed with. She was due to visit the doctor but discovered she was pregnant after taking a test which she says she only took because she knew they would ask as a precaution at her appointment. She said, I nearly fell on the floor because it was positive. Twenty years ago, I found out I would not be able to conceive. I never used contraception. Effectively, I was pregnant for about ten weeks. I felt that I had put on weight, but I was eating well and less, but I had a new job and I was travelling to work and I have three kids. We were delighted. Looking back now, we think, how did we miss this? We believe it was our prayers we made a decade ago were being answered. We had stopped praying after we had our brilliant kids. 
Mrs. Halewood was taken into Worcestershire Royal on May 18th and Kit was born on May 22nd. Speaking on her care at Worcestershire Royal, she said, They were incredibly caring, attentive, highly professional and talked me through and walked me through these days which could potentially have been full of trauma and were definitely at one of the most vulnerable times of my life. Every midwife on every shift was above and beyond what we had dared to hope for. They were outstanding. It has been... Uh, it has made us so sad to see so many bad reports of the hospital because we had such a brilliant experience. Our son was born and we're loving being parents again. It could have been so different and that is all down to the brilliant staff at the hospital. She added, so we can't praise them loud enough. The couple who now have a healthy and happy Four months old, work at Freedom Church Worcester in Lowesmoor Wharf, where Mr. Halewood, aged 40, is Director of Operations. A Worcestershire Acute Hospital NHS Trust spokesman said, We're pleased to hear that the mum and baby are well and had a positive experience in our care. All staff across our hospitals work exceptionally hard day in, day out, to provide the best possible care to all our patients. We're grateful for this feedback and will share her comments with our staff. And now some other articles you may find interesting. 40-bed housing block approved. A landmark 40-room, five-storey shared housing block will be built in Lowesmore as part of the latest plan to revitalise the area. The plan for the house in multiple occupation was approved despite earlier concerns over its design and height. The plan drew criticism from Historic England and Council Conservationist Officers with Historic England, who rejected the original six-storey application and the approved five-storey plan, said it was too big, but councillors largely agreed it would be a great addition to the area. The City Council's Planning Committee approved the plans for the Gateway Building at last week's meeting, which also included permission to use the ground floor as a shop, restaurant, bar, pub or for professional and financial use, and for the remaining four floors to house 40 rooms as well as communal kitchens, bathrooms and toilets. When built, the building would be roughly the same height as the neighbouring Asda supermarket, but around five metres shorter than the 98-bed apartment block opposite St Martin's Gate car park, which was approved in 2016, but has yet to be built. Councillor Alan Amos was less than enthusiastic about the lack of car parking spaces in the plan. He said, what is the thinking behind people living in HMOs not having a car? What are we saying is that you oh, what we are saying is that you can have a car but you can't park it anywhere. Are we really suggesting that people are going to have to use a public car park? The cars have got to go somewhere. Councillor Louis Stephen said there was no need to include car parking and the council should be encouraging people to walk and cycle. He said, I think the number of people who will have a car and choose to live in this property will be very, very low. Councillor Joe Hodges said, I like the look of this building. Just because we live in a historic city doesn't mean all the buildings have to look historic. 
Councillor Joyce Squires welcomed the plan but was concerned the flat roof would be very attractive to seagulls. <laughs> the search is on for the rightful owner of a lost First World War medal, sorry, medallion, which belonged to a soldier from Worcestershire but has been in Australia for more than 50 years. The medal, which was found in Victoria, Australia, belonged to soldier Private William Bertie Ballinger. Danny Ford from Victoria discovered the medallion from a garage sale. It was rusty and faded. However, when he read the inscription, The Great War for Civilization 1914-1919, he realised it was an old war medal. Mr. Ford held onto the medallion for over 50 years in the hope of finding the living family descendants of Private Ballinger. He has now sent it to the Worcester News and asked us to help with the search. He said, I hope the home is found for this man's medal. From information that I have received, we believe he died in Mesopotamia in Asia. According to war records, Private Ballinger was born in Worcestershire in 1818 and was the son of Sarah Anne Ballinger and Thomas Ballinger. He was part of the 39th Battalion and was recruited when he was 36 years old in Worcestershire on April 20th, 1916. It is not known how or when Private Ballinger died or how this medal ended up in Victoria. Anybody who has in any information on the medal can contact Worcester News reporter Grace Walton on grace.walton at newsquest.co.uk. A tireless fundraiser who has been making a difference to people's lives in Worcester is celebrating her 100th birthday. Beatrice Furlong has been doing tireless work for the local community for a number of years, particularly with the community centre in Brickfields. Mrs Furlong and late husband Vincent first set up a community centre on the King George V playing fields in 1951 and the current centre is owned and maintained by the council with a meeting room named after the Furlong family. Beatrice's late husband Vincent fought in the Second World War and her grandson Nicholas also served in the armed forces. Mrs Furlong has been supported by daughter Mal in her community work, which has also included raising money for the poppy appeal by selling knitted poppies. Ahead of her 100th birthday this Sunday, Mrs Furlong enjoyed a celebration at the community centre joined by friends and family, Deputy Leader of Worcester City Council Adrian Gregson and Mayor um, Jabariaz. The Toledine Road resident who was born in the city in 1918, enjoyed a fish and chips lunch, tea and cake, as well as singing from the pupils of Hollymount School. Mrs Furlong said the event had been a big surprise party for her and she was delighted by the turnout. Speaking on the secret to living so long, Mrs Furlong said it was keeping busy. On her fundraising work, she added, I have never thought I did anything special, I just did what was right. Councillor Gregson called Mrs Furlong an inspirational woman in helping to change people's lives for the better. Councillor Riaz added, She's absolutely amazing. She has lived through so much. Her contribution to Worcester shows how people can be a valuable member of the community. And there's a lovely photo of her there blowing out her candles. 
A fast food restaurant is reviewing its security measures after an employee was attacked and lost a tooth while asking a customer to leave. McDonald's has said the safety of its employees and customers is our absolute priority following the incident at the Blackpool Road Worcester restaurant. The police released CCTV footage of a man they want to identify and speak with in relation to the attack on a manager at the restaurant at around 8pm on Sunday, September 23rd. The male suspect was asked to leave the restaurant after spitting on the floor before striking the manager, police have said. Staff called the police following the attack, but the suspect fled the scene before officers could arrive at the Blackpool Retail Park restaurant. An eyewitness said the man was stumbling around and appeared to be drunk. She said she believes the attack had started after the man accused the staff member of staring at him. A McDonald's spokesman described the behaviour as unacceptable and extremely disappointing, but said it's not a regular occurrence at the restaurant. The spokesman said, The safety of our employees and customers is our absolute priority, and behaviour of this type from a customer is unacceptable and extremely disappointing to see. We've been supporting the employee involved and are reviewing our security measures. However, incidences of this type are not a regular occurrence in this restaurant. It's unclear how long the attacker had been in the restaurant before the assault or whether he had bought anything. A spokeswoman from West Mercia Police confirmed on Wednesday that no arrests had been made in relation to the incident. PC Mark Slade of West Mercia Police said that was a serious assault causing an injury to the manager and we're keen to talk to the man in the CCTV as soon as possible. If you have any information, call police on 101 and quote incident number 663S of September 23rd. A public information event has been organised ahead of plans being resubmitted for a controversial housing development in Worcester. Plans for the building of 52 homes at Old Northwick, Lake, Old Northwick Farm in Northwick Road were first approved in February 2015. The move sparked outrage among nearby residents who say the site suffers regular flooding problems. The approved application, which was originally from Bloor Homes, included plans for 21 affordable homes, the demolition of number 221 Northwick Road, as well as car parking arrangements, an open and nature reserve and a new footpath link. But after the time ran out for building work to begin, a new applicant, Nick Rawlings of Tewkesbury, took over the site and resubmitted a new application for it, similar to the 2015 one. That was approved at a City Council planning meeting in December 2016, despite the Environment Agency officially classing the land as a flood zone and the decision being branded crazy by campaigners. But since then, the building of the homes has never come to fruition. And in the latest twist, social housing provider Stonewater has recently taken on the site and is looking to resurrect the plans.
A flyer has been sent out to residents which says Stonewater has recently acquired the site and will shortly be submitting a revised planning application following on from the previous planning application, P16E0451. A public information event has been organised by Stonewater, taking place this Tuesday, September the 25th, between 4pm and 7pm, well that's happened I'm afraid, at which Stonewall says the public will be able to view the revised development proposals for the land. A spokesman for Worcester City Council said the council has had very very informal discussions with Stonewater, who has purchased the site from Bloor Homes following the grant of planning permission to them for residential development of the site under planning application P16E0451, which was approved by the planning committee at the meeting on December the 15th, 2016. The planning permission was issued on June the 29th, 2018, following completion of the S106 agreement. We understand that Stonewater intend to submit a planning application for a revised scheme in the next few weeks and are proposing advanced publicity consultation accordingly. Anyone wanting further information is asked to call Stonewall on 023-8065-8836 or email develop.support at stonewall.org or visit stonewall.org A car was engulfed in flames after a crash which left three people injured, including a young girl. The hatchback caught fire following a collision with a Land Rover on the A443 near Holt Heath at around 12.20pm on Saturday. Two ambulances and a paramedic officer were called to the scene outside Norton Farm. They treated a female driver in her 20s who suffered arm, knee and neck pain, as well as a male driver in his 60s who sustained cuts to his hand and reported hip and back pain. Both patients were taken to Worcester Royal Hospital. A young girl who is aged between 5 and 15 was also transported to the same hospital after treatment for chest pains. Firefighters sent from Droitwich extinguished the blaze and left at 2.15pm. One witness said traffic was heavy in both directions after the crash. A Worcester Warriors fan was disappointed to be fined £70 for parking on Shire Business Park, despite, along with hordes of other fans, having done so for years. 89-year-old season ticket holder Louis Riley has been parking on a discreet spot in Wainwright Road for more than 10 years, away from grass verges and double yellow lines, though he admits others have been more adventurous. He, like many others, returned to his car after the defeat to Newcastle Falcons on Saturday afternoon to see fines stuck to their windscreens with no prior warning. The Malvern pensioner said that while there is a limited parking available at Sixway Stadium, it is always full on match days, despite the fact that he parks up to two hours before the game starts. And while parking on the business park is illegal, there's nowhere else to park, added Mr Riley. Since this road and verges are full with Warriors fans and have never previously been targeted, I wonder if this represents a toughening of the parking laws by Worcester City Council, Mr Riley told the Worcester News.
he said he was worried that the enforcement action may encourage fans to stop attending Warriors matches and he feels the council should do more to support the local team. City councillor Stephen Hodgson said he believes over a 100 cars were ticketed on the business park on Saturday and he said he wished such enforcement was a daily occurrence. Councillor Hodgson, who represents Warnden Parish North, said that while he understood the annoyance of being caught, the parking restrictions are in place for a reason. There are businesses on the estate who operate at weekends and have complained about illegal parking. Councillor Hodgson told the Worcester News. The councillor said he also believes that warnings have been issued previously to supporters for not obeying parking restrictions. Cars parking on the grass verges cause damage and there's a common misunderstanding that because you are not parked on the road you can't receive a penalty, he added. Where lines are in place the restriction applies to the footpath and the verge. Councillor Hodgson went on to say that he wished there were similar levels of enforcement on working days where illegal and inconsiderate parking is a daily occurrence. But he also raised concerns that, although enforcement is important, he hopes it doesn't cause displacement of cars into residential areas on match days, with the resulting problems that that will cause to residents. Police arrested three people after road workers said they were attacked by an axe-wielding criminal on the motorway. Highways England confirmed that one of its employees suffered minor injuries in the attack. It took place after a crash on the M5 northbound at Junction 4A, Bromsgrove, on Tuesday night. West Mercia police said we attended a collision on the M5. On arrival, recovery workers stated they had been attacked with an axe. The vehicle was quickly located and three people arrested and knives seized. The police force shared a picture on Twitter showing two small knives and a larger blade in a sheath. A spokesman for Highways England said, We are aware of the incident involving vehicle recovery workers on the M5 last night and are providing support to the workers that were affected. We we are also working closely with Worcestershire Police to support their inquiries. There was £24,000 raised at Midlands Air Ambulance Charity annual open day at Itstrensham Air Base. The free event, which is now in its eighth year, saw over 3,000 families and supporters attend to find out more about the life-saving work of the charity. The day included tours of the EC-135 helicopter based at Strensham and visitors watched the arrival of the charity's new H-145 air ambulance and a Lute ex-military air ambulance and an R-44 which also flew in on the day. Amongst the activities last Sunday was a helicopter simulator, heli-bouncy castle, aircrew talks and demonstrations. Other emergency services on display included Central Motorways Police, West Midlands Fire Service and West Midlands Ambulance Service. Jason Levy from Midlands Air Ambulance Charity said, It's always brilliant to see so many people turn out to find out about the life-saving work of the charity and support our cause. 
in order to keep our three helicopters in the air and our air crew savings, savings, la, saving lives, Midlands Air Ambulance Charity needs to raise more than £9 million each year and with no government or national lottery funding, raising awareness at events such as this are vitally important. A robotic seal made in Japan is being taken into homes across the country to help dementia sufferers. The baby seal, called Paro, helps to cut stress and make people more sociable and motivated. Worcester-based Home Instead Senior Care invested in the therapeutic seal to help dementia patients who might not be able to look after their own pet. Mr Hammer, owner of Home Instead Senior Care, said... When I first heard about a robot being introduced into a daily care plan for someone with dementia, my first reaction was to reject the idea outright. At home instead, we excel in person central care, and this seemed to be the complete opposite. However, when I read studies and then saw people with dementia interacting with Paro the Seal, I immediately saw its tremendous potential to improve many lives. Far from replacing human contact with a client, Paro is a therapeutic device that can stimulate, calm and motivate those with dementia, making their lives happier. Mr Hammer believes his company is the first to use Paro in a home care setting in this country. Sorry, setting in this country. He originally came across the use of therapeutic robots in dementia care while completing his degree in dementia studies. Laura Goodridge, head of client experience for the company, said that one patient experienced a range of emotions when they met Paro. She said, I looked round and there were tears of joy running down the face of our client's daughter at what she was witnessing. The emotions soon had our caregivers and myself in floods of tears too. We all hid in the kitchen weeping while our client, who is quite advanced dementia, and Paro were having a very happy time together in the lounge. Paro moves its head and legs and imitates the voice of a real baby harp seal. The seal also has sensors and responds when it's stroked. It can also recognise the direction of voice and words such as its name, greetings and praise. The seal costs £30 million to develop. A drunk man fell asleep inside a clothes store after breaking into a property with a giraffe sculpture, a court heard. Edward Galbraith, aged 20, woke up underneath a rack of clothes in the Two Seasons shop in Chapel Walk, Worcester. He then tried to leave with some of the store's clothes in his bag before being stopped by security outside. Galbraith used one of the city's St Richard's Hospice fundraising giraffes as a battering ram to smash the shop's window. Kerry Lovegrove, prosecuting, said police officers spotted the damage at two seasons at about 2am on September the 3rd. She said they noticed that the window was smashed and the alarm was going off. They noticed that the giraffe was standing outside next to the shop. It was leant up against the door. The giraffe had been used to smash the window. Officers looking inside said they could see nobody. However, as security were there waiting for it to be boarded up, they noticed something move in the shop. Miss Lovegrove said Galbraith was then spotted climbing out through the broken window, at which point he was caught. 
Galbraith of Coma Road, Worcester, cut himself while entering the store and bled on some of the items inside, ruining £840 worth of goods. Police searched his bag and found a haul of clothes which valued at £452, which also could not be resold. Miss Lovegrove said the giraffe called Dotty suffered damage to its head, feet and stand, which would cost £600 to repair. She added, Galbraith had been out with friends and drank a bottle of gin, Lambrini and pints of John Smith's. He remembers waking up in the shop and climbing out of the shop window with the stolen clothes. Joe Outhwaite, defending, said Galbraith was incredibly intoxicated on the night of burglary. She added, he remembers waking up in the shop under a clothes rail that had been knocked over, wondering why he was there. At the time, he didn't realise he had placed some of the clothing in his bag. He woke up, got his bag and left the premises. Security staff outside detained him. The solicitor said he had two written letters um, to Two Seasons and St Richard's Hospice expressing his remorse. She said Galbraith hopes to make it up to the two organisations and offered to reimburse them with his time or money. Some of his relatives have received care from St Richard's Hospice in the past and he has even raised funds for the charity, the court heard. Miss Outhwaite added, In March this year, Galbraith got an apprenticeship at an insurance broker. After four months, that apprenticeship was taken away with little explanation. That sent him into a spiral and meant he was struggling financially. The solicitor said Galbraith isolated himself from his friends and family and started to drink more. The court also heard that Galbraith, who has no previous convictions or cautions, suffers from mental illness. The probation service said he had been prescribed antidepressants and previously attempted to take an overdose of diazepam. He admitted burglary involving theft and criminal damage. Roger Warrington, chair of the magistrate's bench, said, You have clocked up a fair amount of damage there and you will have to pay for all of it. Worcester Magistrates Court ordered Galbraith to pay £1,860 in compensation and costs and complete 150 hours of community service. And this item is entitled The Mayor's Column. That's Councillor Jabarias. Friday evening saw the Freedom of the City awarded to Basil D'Olivera, an award that is long overdue. The Guildhall played host to Worcestershire legends and heroes who played alongside Basil. We were entertained by speeches from Norman Gifford, Lord Faulkner, Councillor Andy Roberts, Pat Murphy and Dave Bradley, who summed up the effect that Basil had not only in cricket but on the world. Basil d'Oliviera became a symbol of the struggle against apartheid in South Africa, linking Worcestershire cricket to international politics in the process. Friday's event was a fitting tribute to a man revered by many around the globe. He ranks alongside the acts of the great Jesse Owens in terms of sporting political statements or achievements to change world opinion. The memory of Basil will now live on forever in Worcester's history. 
And if that night wasn't magical enough, then what was to follow was even more miraculous. On Saturday, I was privileged to witness the greatest set of events in Worcestershire's cricketing history in recent times. At Edgebuston, little old Worcestershire, with 10 of the 11 fielded players England qualified, who had been written off by critics and pundits alike, etched their name in their history books by winning the Vitality T20 Blast competition. This was a gargantuan and Herculean task of David versus Goliath proportion, which saw our team beating the star-studded Lancashire and the mighty Sussex in the process. The crowd and I were delirious. It was a real moment to savour and cherish. On the sporting front, we haven't had much to celebrate recently, so it's important to now celebrate this victory appropriately to inspire the next set of Ben Coxes, Pat Browns and Moeen Ali's. This week, Worcester has also bid farewell to the giraffes that have brought so much fun, joy, visitors and business to the city. They have brightened the mood of thousands and have been a pleasure and inspiration. Thank you, St Richard's Hospice. Long live cricket. Long live Worcester. What a wonderful, beautiful place, which according to the latest unbroken Britain survey, is now officially the happiest city in the UK too. <laughs> there was face paint, sequins, drag queens and an awful lot of rain. The recipe for a perfect day, obviously. Worcestershire Pride brought us Worcester's first LGBT Pride Parade on Saturday, pulling a massive crowd of people, young and old, in a vibrant, fun-filled spectacle as positivity and unity flow through the streets of Worcester. I hope this will be the first of many events of this nature, not only because of how much fun the day was, but because they carry a great deal of importance and highlight issues that while we have come to come a long way, we still could be acknowledging them more and further understanding them. I had the pleasure of briefly meeting Chair of Worcestershire Pride, Andre Oldfield, who said his aim was to give young LGBT people a chance to be represented, as this is the key to helping them feel more comfortable and accepted. If you can't see it, you can't be it, Evil Knoxville, a student from Worcester, recently said. I wish I could say that I'm transgender more often and be greeted with less hostility. As someone with a close LGBT friend, I've only very recently begun to appreciate how scary it must be for someone growing up who doesn't quite live up to the expectations placed on them because of their chromosomes and the complications tied in with that. If I had been given more understanding earlier in life, I believe I would have been able to support this person more. The great thing about Pride was how comfortable everybody was. The organisers did a great job of making the atmosphere nothing but welcoming to everyone who went along. This included allies of those who were there in the spirit of supporting their LGBT family members and friends. They also did a great job of giving a platform to a range of support charities and groups who were there to provide information and help. And that was written by Jessica Charles. She's a, um, I think she's a, um, a writer for Worcester News. 
And uh, now we come to some sports um, news. And uh, this is uh, about the... I think it's rugby I'm going to talk to you about. We'll soon find out. Um, it's called... Uh, the, the Sorry, the headline is Ace Ted Can Be a Lion. Doncher's verdict on match winner. Homegrown ace Ted Hill has got the potential to be a future British and Irish lion, according to ex-Worcester Warriors captain and Ireland legend Doncher O'Callaghan. I'm sorry if I haven't pronounced that correctly. Worcester-born Hill, 19, had a Premiership debut to remember on Sunday as he scored two tries in Warriors' 44-37 victory over Leicester Tigers at Welford Road. After replacing the injured Sam Lewis on 26 minutes, Hill, pictured above, crossed the whitewash at the start of the second half before scoring Worcester's match-winning try in the final minute. O'Callaghan, pictured left, who finished his glittering playing career at the end of last term, became a big admirer of the back rower's ability during his three seasons at Warriors. And the 39-year-old former Munster lock reckoned Hill could go on to represent the Lions if he continued to progress and pick the brains of experienced players. Ted is an incredible player, said O'Callaghan, who won 94 caps for his country and skippered the Lions in 2009. He has got it all. The lines he runs are incredible, so it is about making sure that you are supporting him and giving him little tips along the way. When I was a young player, I was constantly in John Langford's ear or Mick Galway's ear, asking them stuff, whereas English lads don't tend to do that. They're a bit more reserved and they think they're being cheeky, whereas Irish lads will have no problem talking to guys who have got knowledge. There are super talented players at Warriors and I think there are exciting times ahead with guys like Ted as he is a leader too. If he keeps progressing the way he is, I think he could be a lion. O'Callaghan, who made 63 appearances for Warriors, said he was also impressed with Worcester's Academy stars, Will Butler, Andrew Kitchener, James Scott and Ollie Lawrence. I would love to head to the Premiership final one day and watch those guys battle it out at Twickenham, O'Callaghan said. Hill came through the ranks at Malvern Rugby Club and has been part of Warriors' youth setup since his early teens. His first team um, bow came in Worcester's Anglo-Welsh Cup clash with Sale Sharks in November last year before coming off the bench against Harlequins a week later. The young forward, who studied at the River School and Worcester Sixth Form College, also starred in the World Rugby Under-20 Championship this summer, guiding England to the final. Warriors chief Alan Solomons insisted it was not a difficult decision to send Hill onto the field against Leicester. He was here, so he was always going to play, said Solomons after Worcester's dramatic victory at Welford Road. We have got some players in our academy... It wasn't too long ago that Jack Singleton and Josh Adams were in our academy. They have both come through it and now look at the difference they are making. Ted is a terrific young player. It was only a matter of time before he was going to get his opportunity and he showed that he belongs at this level. Tight head prop Nick Schoenert has not joined up with England's squad for their training camp in Bristol due to injury. 
Director of Rugby Alan Solomon said Shonut suffered a dead leg in the Worcester Warriors' 44-37 victory at Leicester Tigers on Sunday. The uncapped front rower was forced off on 54 minutes at Welford Road and will now miss the chance to train with Eddie Jones's national side who are building up to November's Autumn Internationals. Warriors centre Ben Teo, who has yet to make an appearance this season due to surgery on a quadriceps tear in the summer, was also selected in Jones's 36-man squad. Solomon said Nick had a dead leg. He said it was worrying him so we just took him off. Centre Manu Twilagi and scrum half Ben Youngs also picked up knocks in Tiger's defeat to Warriors, ruling them out of the camp which runs until tomorrow. Leicester fullback Jordan Oluwelfa has been called up to the squad as a replacement for Tuliagi. And the next sport item is on Worcester City Football Club. Hard-to-please assistant boss Ashley Vincent made no apology for keeping Worcester City on their toes by swooping for three new signings. Striker Bradley Reed, right-sided playmaker Josh Hessen and centre-half Drew Ricketts all debuted in City's 3-1 win at FC Stratford in the Midlands Football League Cup on Tuesday. Hessen, a Wolverhampton Wanderer scholar released at the end of last season, and Ricketts, dual registered with Coles Hill Town, having left Tamworth over the summer, were unveiled as new recruits on the day of the match. City have not been beaten in 12 matches in all competitions, with the only setback being a penalty shootout exit from the FA Cup but Vincent revealed the September shake-up had been prompted by off-colour performances of late. We've been really disappointed with our past three games and have been looking to up our performance levels, he said. To be successful, you need to put together these runs and maintain them, but recently the displays have not been good enough. That's why we're looking for the right players to give us another push and put that spring in our step to move forward. We felt we needed a fresh face, maybe two. There were three there for us to look at against Stratford and it keeps the boys on their toes. The new lads did well. Drew talked really well and showed he knows the game by how well he communicated. Josh has a good pedigree. He hasn't played since July and while he'll need to get up to speed, I thought he was brilliant, sharp and quick and that footballing education he picked up at Wolves shone through. Bradley is a big target man. He needs to build up his fitness as well but scored a lovely goal. We will need to see a bit more of him to judge what he can add. When Dave Reynolds left... We felt we needed someone to share the load but also take the brunt of the blows up front, act as more of a target man and Bradley did that. I think he could still do more. He has a record of scoring at a higher level than this and that should come with match fitness. A much changed lineup got hit with a bolt from the blue when James McMillan fired past Sam Gilder early on but Reed soon steered a header inside the near post from James Baldwin's lifted cross to level 14 minutes in. 
It was a scrappy encounter, but City gradually overpowered their hosts with substitute Joe Bates, notching five minutes after his introduction on the hour, slamming in from Chris Withington's cushioned pass across the six-yard box. Chances came and went for Worcester, but Bates sealed the deal by recovering from a stumble when tightly marked to get back to his feet and squeeze inside the near post from the right of the penalty area. I think the early goal came from not knowing each other. We had three new players, including one in the back, so that can happen, said Vincent. In fits and starts, we played our football. We looked like a team that hadn't played together much, but in the end, our quality showed. Worcester face a trip to Premier Division rivals Highgate United in round two. They head to the FA Cup Conqueror's Walsall Wood in the Midland League Premier Division on Saturday at 3pm. And now some cricket, Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Relegated Worcestershire let a promising let a promising position slip in yet another Specsavers County Championship Division One clash. Kevin Sharp's side had reduced Yorkshire to 193 for seven in reply to 340 all out at Blackfinch New Road, but the visitors, who have dodged the drop thank the drop thanks to bowling bonus points in the final match of the campaign, recovered to 417 for nine for a lead of 77 thanks to Gary Balance's 189 not out. The one-time England batsman steered Yorkshire past the threat of being asked to follow on until he was joined by Jack Brooks in a run-laced final session. The pair added 171 in 27 overs for a ninth wicket best against Worcestershire and gained a lead that seemed unlikely when they joined forces at 232 for eight. Brooks followed up his six-wicket haul with 82 before being dismissed in the penultimate over. It left balance unbeaten off 213 deliveries with two sixes and 29 fours. And Worcestershire were left to reflect on another situation that slipped from their grasp when well placed, a major factor in their relegation to Division 2. They seemed powerless to stop the onslaught and were handicapped by the absence after tea of paceman Josh Tung with a foot injury as balance and Brooks cut loose almost at will. The hosts resumed the day on 319 for 8 and Ben Coward struck with the fourth delivery without addition to the score as he trapped Ben Tohig uh, 30 LBW. Brooks wrapped up the innings with figures of 22, 3, 94 and 6 as Dylan Dylan Pennington was caught behind to leave Tongue unbeaten on 30. Yorkshire's Adam Lythe made a quick 27 before he fell LBW to Wayne Parnell and Jack Leaning 13 was undone by a fine delivery from Tongue to be comprehensively bold. Spinner Tohig swooped with the final delivery before lunch as Jeet Ravel dragged the ball onto his stumps. Ex-county man Tom Kohler-Cadmore, 8, went LBW to Toig and Jonathan Tattersall, 19, had his off-stump knocked out, off, out sorry, by a tongue delivery which kept low. Pennington, who had impressed in Worcestershire's win at Scarborough, had Tim Bresnan pouched at second slip. 
Tung's third success was also clean bowled in the form of tyke slipper skipper Stephen Patterson and shortly after tea, debutant James Logan fell LBW to Moeen Ali. But then the balance of power shifted dramatically as Balance and Brooks raced along at more than six and over. The carnage only ended when Brooks, having struck 15 fours in his 99-ball knock, edged Moeen through a quick wicketkeeper Ben Cox. A total of 203 runs came from 32 overs after tea. A county harvest festival will take place in Worcester Cathedral. The service will give thanks for the farmers who ensure that we have food on our plates and celebrate rural life in general. It's been organised by the Chaplaincy of Agriculture and Rural Life, known as CAR, and the preacher will be Howard Petch, CBE, who is chairman of Germinate, formerly principal of Bishop Burton College, chief executive of Landex and vice chair of the Farming Community Network. There will be a procession by Worcestershire young farmers who will bring gifts to the altar while prayers will focus on farming and rural life. There will also be a collection for the Farming Community Network, a voluntary organisation and charity that supports farmers and families within the farming community through difficult times. Nick Evans, chair of CARL, said, The harvest celebration is an important one for the farming community and all the people involved in rural life. It's an opportunity to come together and thank God for our crops and livestock at a time when hopefully the harvest has been safely gathered in. All are welcome to the festival at 6.30 on Sunday, the 7th of October, with light refreshments afterwards in College Hall. A former university student from Worcester has created a film linking social media and mental health. Fred Hanbury, 24, had his film Bits and Pieces premiered at the Odeon in Worcester, raising over £250 for Mind, a mental health charity. It was inspired after digging deep into his past and recognising the link between mental health issues and social media after a class peer took his own life. He said, Dominic was a very lovable character and nobody was aware he was going through heavy mental health issues. It's been nine years of post-traumatic stress with a great deal of self-worth issues. However, it leaves me thinking that I could have done something to help. It really woke me up. He obviously wasn't stable and he didn't feel as though he could express himself in any way. Bits and Pieces is based on highlighting how important self-expression is. The film exposes social media addiction and an illusion which represents the perfect life. Residents fear it is only a matter of time before someone is killed by antisocial drivers who use a Droitwich Road as a racetrack. People living near Kidderminster Road have raised grave concerns over boy racers whose cars can be heard screeching and backfiring for up to an hour every Sunday. One concerned resident, who asked not to be named, says she has told the police about the racers who appear to be in their 20s on many occasions. She said, someone is going to be killed. We are begging as a community for something to be done. We're fed up with it. We need speed bumps or speed cameras that would stop them 
as they would be caught doing over the 40 miles per hour speed limit. This is not the first time residents have complained about the long-standing issue which dates back years. Problems had improved until the racers returned in August this year and they have been coming every week at 10pm since, according to residents. Residents also say people in the area believe that roofing tax left on the road in Crofters Way in January and February this year may be connected to the problem. Worcestershire County Councillor Richard Morris said residents have told him about the problem. He said, I have raised it with police and they're looking into it. I've also raised the matter with the highways. Sergeant Sarah Kent of West Mercia Police said, We are aware of the incident that occurred on Saturday night, sorry, Sunday night in Droitwich. This is an issue the town has had in the past and the Safer Neighbourhood team have previously undertaken specific policing operations in order to combat it. A decision over a new KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, has been delayed to give councillors a chance to see what the city centre is like at night. Plans to build the popular fast food restaurant in an empty building in the Cross in Worcester look set to be refused because of concerns over disorder as well as objections by the police, neighbours, taxi drivers and public health and it was expected that the council's planning committee would support the refusal. But it was a case of not counting your chickens before they hatch after support for the KFC split the committee at yesterday's meeting at the Guild Hall. Councillors deferred a decision to allow some of them to see the cross at night for themselves. Supporting the KFC, Councillor Alam Amos said the idea that one more takeaway in the area is going to lead us into some kind of social anarchy at a weekend is simply not true. Councillor Louis Stevens said we have planning policies for a reason and they are to make sure we have a vibrant city centre. The argument that the whole area is a mess and that it's only one more takeaway is just adding to the problem. It doesn't make sense to make it even worse. Councillor Roger Berry, also opposing the plan, said the councils should be rejecting plans that would contribute to problems in the area and Councillor Joy Squires said the city centre did not need another fast food restaurant. Councillor Chris Cowthorn proposed an overhaul saying, let's get Betfred out, let's get the vaping shop out and let's put some decent shops there. Councillor Stuart Denley-Maxwell felt it would be helpful if councillors went to the city centre at night before making a decision. A year ago today we reported on how one of the UK's rarest butterflies was making a comeback in Worcestershire after disappearing from the county nearly 10 years ago. The wood white, and there's a picture here of two pure white butterflies on a plant, is found on just 50 sites across the country, but this now includes an ancient woodland nature reserve near Worcester. Monkswood is jointly owned by Butterfly Conservation, which is BC, and the Worcester Wildlife Trust, the WWT, and was one of two locations across the West Midlands that saw the butterfly reintroduced last summer. The move was part of a three-year project called Making a Stand for the Wood White, which launched following a £98,400 grant from the Heritage Lottery Fund and support from the Seven Waste Environmental Fund 
and the Forestry Commission. BC's project officer, Rhoda Goddard, said, We're only a year on from the reintroduction, but the number of butterflies seen this year has exceeded all of our expectations, and I want to thank everyone involved, especially the WWT. On just one summer day, we counted as many as 70 wood-white butterflies. We can confirm that we've seen females laying eggs, which is really exciting news for the future of the species at Monkswood. It will be a few years before we can say the butterfly is fully established at the site again. So we need to carry on with the conservation work we've been doing, and we especially need people's help over the autumn and winter. The wood white prefers wide, sunny clearings to mate and breed successfully, and the caterpillar needs plenty of plants to feed on, like the greater bird food trefoil and meadow vetchling. A micropub landlord has raised concerns about a cancer charity's drive to stop people drinking next month. Chris Hankins, owner of the Bull Baiters Inn in St John's, Worcester, said Macmillan's Go Sober for October campaign is damaging his business. However, Macmillan insisted it was not trying to stop people from visiting drinking dens, arguing that people can still enjoy non-alcoholic beverages at pubs. Mr Hankins, aged 66, who is in remission for leukaemia, said, A lot of my regulars stopped drinking for it last year. It's two months a year, as you have alcohol concerns dry January as well. If everyone signed up to it, every pub would be empty for two months a year. Think of all the jobs we would lose. Can you think of any other industry that gets slammed for two months of the year? You don't stop using Sainsbury's for two months. Pubs are struggling to, um, too much anyway. It adds to the problems. Mr Hankins of Malvern Road, Worcester, also took umbrage with the campaign's depiction of non-drinkers as heroes. The landlord said, calling them heroes for not drinking is ridiculous. You're deriding the real heroes we have out there. Stopping drinking is not heroic by any stretch of the imagination. As an alternative to the Go Sober campaign, Mr Hankins has decided to donate money to Leukaemia UK whenever he sells a drink. He also plans to put a donation box on the bar. The landlord defended the role of pubs in the community and emphasised the need to protect them. He said alcoholics tend to buy their booze at supermarkets, whereas his pub promotes responsible drinking and does not serve anyone who is drunk. Kersey Hobbs, fundraising marketing manager for Macmillan, said, Go Sober for October is a fundraising challenge which asks social drinkers to go without alcohol for 31 days in return for sponsorship rather than a long-term health initiative that encourages people to drink less for health reasons. The initiative doesn't mean that people have to stop their normal social routines which may or may not include going to the pub and they can of course still purchase food and non-alcoholic beverages. The campaign last year raised over £5 million. A football club has had to move its fixtures after travellers parked on football pitches in Bilford Road, Worcester. The travellers parked on the land near Purdisville Leisure Centre on Wednesday evening and the club and Worcestershire County Council are working with police to have them evicted.
Club secretary James Plaskett said the travellers had damaged a gate to gain access to the site. He said they've been using the football pitches as a racetrack and doing donuts and that's more criminal damage. The travellers' occupation of the playing field means that the Colts will not be able to play up to seven matches there this weekend. But the club's opponents have come to the rescue, offering their own grounds as the venues for the matches. Mr Plaskett said that all the weekend fixtures had been salvaged in this way. This is not the first time, however, Pardiswal Leisure Centre has been targeted by travellers this year. A group arrived at the end at the centre car park on John Comyn Drive overnight on Friday, March the 16th, and Worcester City Council took court action to move them uh, to move them on. Council staff had to remove rubbish, bags, and human waste. Nobody from the country council which manages the football pitches, was available to comment on the latest invasion of public land. A hairdressing salon owner who describes himself as a cycling virgin has ridden more than 300 miles from London to Paris in aid of a blood cancer charity. Ian Bezick, aged 34, of Drake's Broughton, who owns four avant-garde salons, including two in Worcester, took part in the gruelling 311-mile cycle challenge for Bloodwise alongside Alex Willits, aged 23, who works as a stylist in the Warden Villages branch. Mr Bezick, who said he had never ridden a bicycle on the road before April this year, was motivated to take part in the challenge in support of fellow hairdresser Simon Giametti, who is battling blood cancer and owns Mark Anthony salons alongside his three brothers. Mr Bezick said, Simon has blood cancer and he is someone I look up to in the industry. The duo have raised £3,000 for the charity. They joined hairdressers from across the country in a team called Cycle Cycle Path and combined the group have have raised about £66,000 for the charity. Mr Bezig added, It was an absolutely amazing four days. By far the most overwhelming thing is cycling with people who have been touched by blood cancer in some shape or form. It just gives you a real sense of purpose. I just know the money is going to a good cause. The money changes lives and can stop cancer because of all the research that they can do. What we have raised may not seem like much, but combined 60,000 will make a huge difference. That is why it's so special. Miss Willits of Bewdley said, Before the event, I had never cycled more than 50 miles, so it was a massive achievement. The training was good. I did it on my own. Where I live, it's quite hilly, so I would just go out and tackle some of the hills. It was a really good experience. It was great to hear everybody's stories. I had never heard of Bloodwise before, but it is a brilliant charity. The ride took place over four days between Thursday, September the 13th and Sunday, September the 16th. Mr Bezick, who owns a salon in Martin's Quarter and another in Warnham Villages, and Miss Willits plan to take part again next year. To make a further donation, go to justgiving.com stroke fundraising stroke Bez London to Paris.
And that's all the news we have time for. Um, just a few uh, announcements. Lighting up time is 7 p.m. to 6.58 a.m. Um, two birthdays on the 30th of September. Many happy returns to Charles Longston. And on the 2nd of October, many happy returns to Robert Morris. If there's anybody that we've missed out, please let us know. We'd love to wish you a happy birthday. Um, there's been some late returns of memory sticks. So uh, if listeners could kindly be reminded to return memory sticks promptly to facilitate a smooth operation and use of resources. As from now, you will only receive two weeks of recordings. If neither of these are returned, you will not receive further recordings. If you're unwell or have a problem, please ring us on 01905 767766 and leave a message. The emergency numbers for out-of-hours medical assistance from 6 to 8 p.m. is 0300-123-3211 and the NHS number for non-emergency help is 111. Malvern Theatres is 01684-892277. Worcester Live is 611429, which covers the Swan and Huntington Hall. Worcester Hub number for Council Matters is 765-765 or 722-233. Crime Stoppers is 0800-555-111. Our telephone number uh, repeated is 01905-767766 and our address is 11 Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. We greatly value your feedback, likes or dislikes or changes you might like to uh, to put forward. Just let us know um, either by returning them in your envelopes or leave us a message on the phone. So from all of us tonight, good night.